For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Done by The Fail Coach. We have another interview today, and we have lovely Tamira here with us um, as my guest, and we'll talk about a lot of interesting things. Uh, so make sure that you listen to the episode. Uh, but first of all, Tamira, welcome to the show. And uh, if you can, please quickly introduce yourself to the audience and we'll go from there. Well, thanks for having me. Hello, my name is Tamira and I am a full stack web developer. I am a content creator. I'm also a homeschool mom and a pity parent. Thanks for having yeah. me on the show. Hey, what? What was the last thing? Pity. Pitbull. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 cool. Uh, well, uh, one thing that you didn't mention is that you are a huge fan and lover of processes and systems and, and, and all of that. And this is really something, a passion that we both share, uh, but we'll get to there. Uh, maybe we can start with, you know, just you explaining a little bit um, about your story because you went from corporate into being an entrepreneur and let's hear a little bit about that what were you doing in the corporate world uh, why the decision to move away from that and maybe that early stages of entrepreneurship okay so and yes I am a business system enthusiast I love that stuff and that's pretty much what I was doing in corporate as well I had a 15 and a half year career there where I worked as a senior accountant process re-engineer I did process documentation I also did business analysis and a few other things in the on the administrative and financial side uh, during my career, I also earned, of course, the degrees and certifications to help me go move forward in that career, and they were finance-based as well and business administration. So once I finished my 15 and a half year career in corporate, I decided that I wanted to come out of corporate altogether, and I wanted to write books. I wanted to write accounting books because before I left corporate, I was one credit away from being able to qualify to sit for my CPA and accounting really was my passion and so was the process re-engineering but I just got to a point where I felt like I needed to be at home more with my son and be more of a mom so I made that tough decision and once I came out of corporate I wrote my books I published them on Amazon and they did okay, but I wanted to create a more robust user experience with uh, my 
from the people that were purchasing my book. So I decided I wanted to build an app. Well, of course, at that time, I had no idea how to do that. So I went out and I spoke with developers. They were giving me all these prices, 10,000, 12,000, 15,000, basically a whole lot of money that I just could not afford. So I had a decision to make. I could either bring in a partner or I could bring in investors or I could figure it out. And I did not like the other two. I did, that was not in the cards for me at the time. I didn't think it was a good idea. So I just decided to go out on my own and see what I could do as far as coding was concerned. And honestly, in the beginning, I wasn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to make it because it was quite a transition from being in processes and running meetings and, you know, running project management. That was a lot different than sitting down and reading a bunch of letters and squigglies and trying to figure out how they all come together to make something work. So once I figured that out and got that all together, then I decided that I was going to build my app. But in the meantime, while I built that app, I needed uh, some income coming in. Because at that time, I had literally lost the breadwinner in my household. So I decided to make some money while I built this app. I would go ahead and start AccuFigures, which was initially a web development company only. So I started AccuFigures and I started getting clients in and I was building you know, websites for them. And over time, it's definitely flourished into a digital consulting company and we offer a lot more than web design now <laughs> but it's been an interesting ride it's been an amazing journey and i'm glad that things happen the way they are because i'm here now perfect did you still build the app or you moved away from that i moved away from it and that was a tough decision for me because i had to come to the realization that if I wanted to be a web developer and I wanted to teach people how to build business systems and I wanted to show them how to do the back end, that if I was still holding on to accounting, that that would be confusing. It's okay. just too much. So I decided that that was my past. And if I truly want to move forward, I need to let that past go. It was okay. hard. It was emotional, but yeah, I know. I know, I know. It was scary. Um, I, I had some of those same moments where it was either stay in the past or move in the mm -hmm. future. And mm -hmm. um, it wasn't an easy decision to make. I mean, you know, after, later, when you look back, you say, oh, that was, you know, a good decision. But once when you're going through it, when, when it's the decision time, yeah, I know. It, it wasn't easy for me as well in, in certain cases in the past where I had to let go and, uh, you know, embrace the new or open myself to, to something new, but something that I really deeply believed in. Um, Tamira, tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about, a bit more about the, um, you know, the early stages of entrepreneurship. You know, I'm, I'm sure your, your, your journey was full of ups and downs and, and good and bad and ugly. And, you know, every entrepreneurial journey um, has a lot of lessons from the good, the bad and the ugly um, and a lot of things that other people who might be right now starting out can benefit from 
if you you if if they're listening to this podcast so um you know just pick a few things from that entrepreneurial journey and walk us a little bit through it oh my goodness how much time do you have <laughs> Um, we, we, we have some time, so just, you know, go ahead, go ahead, don't be shy. Well, when I started, when I started AccuFigures, when I got serious and I came out of work, I made an agreement with my significant other at the time, and he was basically handling everything to give me the opportunity to build and nurture this business. The name AccuFigures, I chose that name because originally, in addition to the books, I was going to run a bookkeeping business. So I know like night and day from web development. So fast forward about a year into this thing, I, I, he has to go. He just has to go. I mean, he's negative and he's just on me and just telling me that I'm not going to be successful. This is not going to work. No one's going to want to do business with me. So I had to let him go. And at that point, there's no money coming in my house, period, because I was still on the books. Well, there was money, but it wasn't enough to pay bills. You know what I mean? So at that moment, it was sink or swim. And at that moment, I had finished with all my coding training. So I was doing the websites and those were starting to come in, but they were starting to come in. This was a startup. You know, I didn't start off making uh, what I make now. I started off like everybody else, broke. So, you know, as this thing is ramping up, I'm getting some money and I'm getting some bills paid and all that good stuff. And then fast forward a year into that, things are going well. And my son has a rare disease called calf, per calf perthes. So What's that? It is where your bone in your hip actually disintegrates because the blood flow is not going there. So it basically just dies inside of your body. So what happened was I ended up having to get corrective surgery for him. That put me off my business for like a year. I could not work my business. All I could do was service the existing clients that I had. But as far as bringing in new business and stuff like that, I just couldn't do it. I had too much going on with him. He was bedridden for months. And then after that, he had to do physical therapy. He had to learn how to walk again, not to mention it really hurt him mentally. So we had to get him back together mentally and physically. And that took me a little bit of time. And honestly, when that happened, I felt like maybe I shouldn't be in business no more. I felt like maybe it was time for me to put it up. I had a good run. I got some clients in, but you know, maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's not in the car. And I was in that place for a little while, even after he got back and he was up walking again, I still felt like maybe I should go back to work. But then at the same time, I knew that he needed to be homeschooled more than anything. School just wasn't in the cards for him. The rest of that school year, I had to finish homeschooling him. And then when it was time for the following school year to start, I just felt like he, I didn't feel comfortable sending him back into the public school system. So I started, I kept homeschooling him. I figured it out with the business. I got the business back up and running again. I was getting in new business. Everything is going well. And then I realized that I'm sitting at my computer for like ever all the time. And I also noticed that I'm starting to build the back end and support systems for some of my clients. Like 
gratis. I'm literally sitting there building it out. I'm going over resumes. I'm helping them make hiring decisions. I'm doing all these things that I used to do in corporate that has nothing to do with websites. <laughs> so I realized that, you know, one, the websites have to be there because that's my passion. I love to build websites. But at the same time, my clients need me to use the skills that I actually went to school to learn how to do and that I was doing in corporate because those are the things that help them save time and money and get results. I know how to do that. So a lot of them didn't. I mean, they didn't do this stuff for a living. I did. So I would just help them with it. And after a while, I just did what I do now. Now I do course creation, content creation. I still do the websites, but now my service is a lot more robust. And that just came from doing this for as long as I've been doing it and actually listening to and working with my customers. Tamira, hmm? um, what are, can you explain a little bit more in depth what are some of those things that you provide to your clients? Uh, maybe, maybe, or maybe we can spin it off in this way. What are some of the most common struggles with entrepreneurs who don't have your background? Because what we were seeing in the past few years, and correct me if you think differently, but um, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, you became most entrepreneurs either had some business school behind them, mm -hmm. MBA, something mm -hmm. like that. Maybe they were from an entrepreneurial family. There mm -hmm. wasn't, or at least I can't remember many entrepreneurs who would just, you know, say, you know, fuck this nine to five, I'll, I'll, I'll become an entrepreneur. That there wasn't much of that. So and most entrepreneurs had at least some, theoretical knowledge of how you create a business plan, how you structure this, how you do that. But now in the last few years with the whole online movement, with all the gurus out there, with Facebook, LinkedIn, and all those social media networks and just everything all together, uh, a whole lot more people without any entrepreneurial background decide that they want to become entrepreneurs, that they want something better, they want to be their own bosses and so on. Now, I get that part. The part that I don't get is that most of them try to figure entrepreneurship on their own. Yeah. You know, like you want to make, you, you want to cook something new and you go and you look at it, you know, either in a recipe book or you find a recipe on YouTube or something, something. Uh, you know, a simple thing, like just making a dish, but then, you know, making your, starting your business, which is like a huge thing and you just wing it. So a lot of people are trying to wing it and just figuring it out as they go. Um, I'm just going to share one more thing and then I'll let you talk. Uh, a few months ago, I don't know, it was somewhere in 2019, um, I'm, I'm a member of quite a few Facebook groups, a few, you know, big entrepreneurial Facebook groups as well. And I posted a question in one of them. It was something along the lines, you know, like, do you have a business plan for your business? Something like that. And of course, I got a whole lot of bashing 
from people in and it's 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 younger entrepreneurs more mm. millennial entrepreneurs and you know they were like gary v says you don't need a business plan and things like that and you know okay but then one guy one young guy he he wrote dude you know because obviously i look 80 i guess uh with my gray hair um and and he was dude it's 2019 now all you need is an instagram page like that was literally his comment i'll probably remember this for the rest of my life uh because it was just so freaking stupid um, i think i will too yeah but but that, that's the reality a lot of people are trying to be solopreneurs freelancers some sort of online entrepreneurs and that i mean this is kind of like the intro for now you to shine because I'm guessing that a lot of people who are coming to you for a website might be this new-ish style online entrepreneurs without you know what what you had your your learning your certifications and so on. So I wanted to open up this whole debate, and now I'll let you, now I'll say the floor is your Tamira. So maybe you can pinpoint a few of the most common struggles that you see with entrepreneurs and then, you know, what's your medication for that? Okay. Well, I'm going to preface this by saying me becoming an entrepreneur was not something that I decided overnight. It took 10 years in the making. I have a bachelor's in business administration. I have a master's in business administration with a concentration in project management. My bachelor's is a concentration in accounting. The first thing that the first conversation I ever had with a millionaire ever told me was, before you start any business, know how to track your money. And that was the first conversation I ever had with a millionaire because with my profession, once you hit a senior level, everybody that you deal with is in that bracket. So these people are the ones that were out there doing it at the time before social media and before you can go and make a post and go viral. And the sad part about it is a lot of people that make these posts and go viral have no way to monetize it. So they do go viral, yes, but they don't make any money off of it. And the same goes for the kids that you see now out here fighting to be uh, just noticed or mentioned when they're creating these things on this content on these social media platforms, these dances and all these other things like these sayings and all these things that other people are just taking for free from them and they are monetizing and making millions. These are just some of the things that happen when you do not take the time to understand how business works, much less take it seriously. Yeah, it's cool to go viral, but viral means nothing if you can't make money off of it. And all of the top people that you see online that are making all these millions of dollars, they have somebody like me on the back end. They have an accountant. They have a project manager. They have attorneys. These people are showing them ways to make money off of everything that they do. And before that Instagram page is ever put into place, we need to know what the goal is for that Instagram page. Who cares about getting a million likes? I'd much rather have a million dollars. I mean, that should be a, a common sense call for anyone, but you're not gonna get a million dollars off of those likes if you don't know what to do or you don't even know where to begin. 
And I will say that Gary V is awesome. I do listen to him. I do not disagree with some of the things that he says. And I really like the fact that he challenges the young kids to get out there and start doing something on their own for themselves when they're young. However, there are ways and there are things that you need to have in place. Yes, you need a business plan. It doesn't have to be a lot of charts and facts and figures, but you have to have some goals set in place at the very least, at the minimal, you need some goals in place. Okay, I want this Instagram page to do one, two, and three. I want this Facebook page to do X, Y, and Z. You need to have those goals. You need to be focused. Otherwise, you're just going to be out there posting a bunch of motivational quotes, getting likes, and nothing's going to come of it. Or you're going to post the next viral dance. Somebody else is going to make a million dollars off of it. And then you're going to be posting crying videos on YouTube, wondering why it is that you can't make any money off of your invention. There are people out there that really capitalize off of ignorance. And the most dangerous thing you can have when you are an entrepreneur is ignorance. Another thing too is being beholden to someone else. If you're going to go into business and do anything, you need to know how to do it at some level. If you do not know what that person is doing at any level, then how do you know they're doing it correctly? Not to mention, do you know how to measure the results that you're getting? And what I mean by that is, do you know how to track what it's doing? How is this thing benefiting you? Back to our Instagram account. How is our Instagram account benefiting us if we have a thousand likes, we have about a 1 million score for reach, and we have some shares and we have some comments, but there's nowhere for anyone to buy anything from you. Anything that you do online should be monetized. You should know how it's going to be monetized and it should be done before you ever post. I know because I made that mistake when I started posting online. I was just, I took a, a class somewhere and I just, they said, you know, do some motivational quotes and post some things about, <laughs> post it. just post it, post it, post it, just post. And I did that. I, I did it. I didn't know anything about social media. So I went out there and I'm, creating all these graphics and posting all these amazing things and people are liking it and they're doing hearts and all that stuff. And then I post a quick ad for a freebie I had and crickets because no one knew anything about me, what I did, if I'm any good at it, no one knew. All I knew was every few hours is going to be another cool custom graphic and a motivational quote for me to save and repost later on on my account. That doesn't help me grow my business. Every account that I have, everything that I do has a specific goal. And if it is not helping me attain a certain goal, I will pull it back and I will evaluate. And I will either A, get rid of it, or B, I will tweak it and send it back out. It just all depends on how it scores in my system. And I have things in place for everything that I do in my business. And this is not something that you jump into business and start doing. It takes time. When I started my web development business, I did not know all the ins and outs of that business. I knew what I could find from research, but the only way you're going to be able to get the truest data of what you're doing behind those scenes is when you start doing it, when you start running your day-to-day -day process. That's how you're going to know what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, how it needs to be done. Yes, the tutorials will help. They will get you started. But 
you are your own unique person. Your business experience is going to be unique and it needs to be unique. That is a good thing. That is a great thing because that's what helps you stand out with your customers. So you want to make sure that you're doing that. Can you perhaps, you know, when you're explaining all of these things, can you maybe give us some simple examples? You know, it's, it's easier, I guess, to understand uh, when some examples are attached. Sure. Okay. So what we'll do, and actually I'm going to, I'm going to discuss a few processes that I use in my business to help with building long-term customer relationships. Cause guys, if you want to scale your business, if you are really in it for the long haul, then you have to have things in place to nurture your client relationships because your existing clients is, are what's going to help you continue to grow and continue to build your business as you move forward. So the first process is an onboarding process. And that's basically a welcome process is another great way to put it. And this way, when someone decides to do business with you, the first thing you should always do is be grateful and thank them because they could have done business with anybody else but you, but they chose you. So the first thing to do is establish gratitude and let them know what to expect. Now, as you're doing that, what you're doing is you are starting to nurture your relationship. And plus, you are a lot more professional than your competitor because more than likely they're not doing that. And this does not have to be something long, drawn out and ridiculous. It can be something as simple as just sending an email, maybe just saying, thank you for doing business. Here's what to expect. If you have someone else working on that project, then this is who's going to be working on your project. Sorry about that. I don't know why that came through. <laughs> I don't know what that was about, but anyway, scratch that part out. So this is who's going to be working on your project. This is the person that you want to get in contact with. Here are some contact numbers if you have any questions. Just things to make them comfortable and make them feel like they're in the right place and they pick the right company. The next thing, or should I say the next process that you're going to want to have in place is you're going to want to have something in place to keep them abreast as to what's going on while you're delivering their product or service. One of the biggest complaints I was getting in the beginning when I started my business is I would literally close my client, send, a, send out a welcome, and ghost them. And then I would show back up like a few weeks later or a few days later, depending on how big the project is. And I would have a project done for them to look at. And that did not create the best <laughs> customer experience to say the least. So don't do that. Be better than me. So over time, I realized that the best way to go about this, and honestly, this is what I do now after my onboard. I interact with my clients throughout the course of the project. So what that looks like, and this is just a, a quick example. So what that looks like is I do the onboard. I send out a list of things I may or may not need. I get back with them. They send me the things back. I ask them if they have questions. We do intermittent meetings throughout the course of the project. And it just depends on how big the project is because if the project is smaller, then we don't have to have that much correspondence and maybe a few emails. But if it is a bigger project, then of course we have meetings where we go over the deliverables, what's been done, what needs to be done, questions, comments, and concerns. That usually lasts about 10 to 30 minutes. Again, it just depends on how big the project is as to how often that happens. But the whole long and short of that is 
when you are interacting with your customer, you want to make sure that they understand one, you're still in control of the project. Two, it is getting done. Three, if they have a timeline, you want to make sure that come hella high water, you meet that deadline. It's nothing worse than going back to your client saying, I couldn't finish the project. Not less you told them in advance and everything is has been addressed. But don't come back, just pop back up after you've been gone for three weeks and say, I'm not going to be able to do this project on time because I guarantee you're going to have a bad experience and rightfully so. Keep in contact with your customers. Make sure they understand what you're doing, how you're doing it, why you're doing it. Make sure you address their questions. You want to feel like you're working with them, not for them. And what this does again is this establishes you as an expert because now they feel like you know things that you may or may not know. It also establishes a very strong trust bond. This is another thing that I've noticed, and it's a great benefit when you're trying to grow your business because that also leads to referrals, which brings me to the third process I'm going to talk to you guys about today, and that is the follow-up process. Once you are done with the project, do not send them out to the wind, and that's the end of it. It's another thing I used to do when I first got started. You don't want to send them out to the wind, and that's just the end of it. What you want to do is you want to keep in contact with them. And I'm not saying send them love letters or anything like that. Just follow up. I actually, them. Tamira, mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you here uh, because yes, customer experience, I call this, or you know, um, um, how to uh, get the most out of the lifetime value of a client, or however you want to achieve customer happiness uh, <laughs> or something. But what are some of the uh, some of ideas, and, and you can go into more examples here, how we can maintain that relationship after we've done the work with the client. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about right now. So after you've delivered your product or service, you want to follow up within the first week and ask them, hey, how are you liking the product? Do you have any questions, comments, or concerns? And they'll tell you. Yes, they will tell you. They will let you know whether or not they like the product. Every now and again, you'll get a client that ghosts you and don't, don't take that personally. If they choose not to give you feedback, then you know, move on to the next one. The goal is you want the feedback, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Because either way, those are what I call lessons learned. And sometimes you can get a product or service out of it, just depending on what the feedback is. Sometimes they'll tell you that they wish that you offered XYZ service or everything was great. Or I didn't like your service because of X, Y, and Z. That is probably one of the most important pieces of feedback you're going to get, because this is how you can help grow your business. This is, you can use that data to help you, tweak what you're doing and sometimes you may not want to take that advice sometimes it may be something that's not viable but if it is listen and adjust um you know okay so this is after after a week uh but you know how do you like maybe you can share your own examples how do you maintain that relationship so let's say i don't know let's say um oh well after the week well, yeah, yeah. I, okay, because yeah, right now I'm literally working on two projects with repeat customers. My 
a lot of my customers are repeat customers. So what I do and how I manage to keep my customers around is after those few weeks and after you, not few weeks, but after that first week and you found out the good, the bad, the ugly, and you've used that information to help you figure out whether or not you want to tweak anything or just leave it as it is. Then what I do is I let my clients know if I have new things going on, if I have something coming out. I also let them know if I've updated anything that I've done for them. Like if I've done a service for them and later on down the line, I add an additional feature to that service, I'll reach out to them and I'll tell them that I'll do the service for them, whatever the new thing is for free. And that's just because it's the right thing to do. Granted, it's, that's not always feasible. So use that at your discretion. Like usually for me, it's something small. It's not anything like major, but I wouldn't go out and do a whole website for somebody for free. So use that at your discretion and how it pertains to your business. Another thing I do to keep my clients is I just stay in touch with them. Like when their birthday comes up, I'm connected with them on Facebook. I will send them a birthday message. Or if the anniversary for their job comes up on LinkedIn, I will send them a message, not the can thing, not the just can thing, but something that pertains to me and them. Like maybe we had a little joke or something, something like that. Something to keep me in the top of mind with them. And how that has worked for me, or should I say the results that I've received from that so far, is I've managed to pick up several new clients. And these are not small paying clients. These are several high ticket clients. And that's just from doing those little things. And they only take a few minutes. Do you ever um, stay in touch um, just because? Uh, you know what I mean? So, so far you mentioned, okay, I add a new service or I do something new. I offer something, you know, um, so it's, it's all business related, but do you, no, you know, like, no, that's why I reach out to them on their birthdays. I don't say anything about products or services. When I reach out to them on their birthday, I send them a personal message from me. And I usually send it pertaining to something like maybe a little joke or something that we had while I was doing a product or service for them. I don't say anything about business because when no, I'm no, no. talking to someone about their birthday, it's, that's not time to talk business. No, no, I get it. But uh, I, I more meant, you know, like, okay, a birthday, you know, it, it's where when they get all messages from, you know, their friends and this and that, usually we get a lot of that. But um, do you do like random, um, random high um, without any business, you know, just, just because. Oh, like idle chit chat type of thing. Yeah. Like every now and then, like, Hey, you know, like, Hey, how you everything? doing? What's going on? Yeah. yeah like a, yeah. I call that a check-in and yes, I do check-ins. I, and I literally, I send that out an email and I say, checking in, how's okay. everything going? But usually I do that if something's going on. Like if I notice in their particular area, they have a hurricane or some kind of something going on. And I'll say, Hey, checking in. How are you? Is everything okay? Or I'll send something like if I know they have a family thing or something going on, Hey, how's everything going? How's uh, the kids? And I usually know the kids names or whatever. So I'll ask about that. I'll inquire about that. I'll inquire about the pets, just idle stuff. Like, or sometimes they'll send me things 
like they'll send me memes or they'll send me recipes or or whatever and you know and that will open a conversation and we'll just have a regular conversation just about regular stuff like kids and dogs and recipes and knitting and whatever okay tamira mm -hmm. um right now um i mean depending on when listeners will listen to this show whether when it's published or you know a year from now and we don't know what will be happening a year from now right. uh, but right now we have the coronavirus but you know regardless corona this or that like in the entrepreneurial life we there's something going on constantly and even if we have a few good years then then you know after those few good years something else like it needs to go up and down that's that's kind of like uh the life of of uh the economy anyway um so how important are this you know strong foundation that's how i call them systems processes and this all of these things in place uh and which ones would you pinpoint as the most important ones? So, you know, just like a ready check for our listeners. Do you have this in place? This is, you know, Tamira's suggestion about foundations that you should check and, and put in place if you don't have them. Okay, so first we're gonna cover two of the biggest myths going around in business right now. And I, I really blame a lot of the, the big people because for a while they were really pushing these narratives. One is you don't need a business system. And the other one is you don't need a website. The reality is the person that was saying that has both in place and they are leveraging them both to grow a six, seven, eight figure business that you just contributed to for them to tell you not to do what they're doing to become successful. When you are starting your company before you build your website, before you start telling your friends about it and before you post that Instagram profile, Facebook page, whatever tool or trick you heard, you need to sit down and you need to establish some goals. What do you want to happen in this business? What is this business going to do for your lifestyle? How is this business going to impact your family? Do you have children? Do you have pets? How, what is the time investment that is going to be made to get this business up and running? Do you have the skill sets that you need to get this business up and running? If not, are you willing to get them or are you going to hire this out? These are some of the things that you need to ask yourself before you ever start a business. Okay. Um, any other foundations that, um, going from here on um so this is for people who are just starting out but let's say uh, a good portion of our listeners are early stage entrepreneurs so they are already in business they've been in business maybe for one year two years three years oh okay um mm -hmm. you know they, mm -hmm. they might be making you know six multiple six figure income mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and you know what can they recheck what are mm -hmm. some of the things mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you would say go back to the basics and check if you have this and this and this in place and if not make it happen 
focus on that. Use the free time while you're on the lockdown and do this. Okay. A lot of a lot of people in that particular bracket that I've come across usually have assistance. And I've also noticed they really aren't quite sure how their assistants get things done for them. But they're paying them either by the hour or by the deliverable. And that is actually quite a hidden waste cost. If you've been in business for several years and you don't have systems in place, so you we're just going to say that if you've been in business for several years, you have a way of doing things. You have a way of getting things done. But I can guarantee that you are doing things a little bit differently every single time. And that's another hidden waste cost. The reason why systems work so well and they save so much money and why corporations spend so much money on hiring people to implement them in their business and run them is because the more repetitive you are, the more money that you're going to save in your business, the fewer amount of errors you are going to have when you are executing your processes in your business and the faster you're going to be able to deliver a higher quality product and service. Once we get to several years in our business, we feel like I've been in business for several years. I know everything. I'm pretty great. I know because <laughs> I kind of felt like that too after three years because I read the statistic about people failing after the first, like what, 50% or something crazy like that, failing the first year and all that. So I felt like I made it to three years. I, so I must be pretty epic. So that's cool. You are pretty epic. That's amazing. But at the same time, at this point, you need to be focusing on saving money so you can start investing that money that you're pouring into operations unnecessarily into other investments to grow and scale your business. And by that, I mean automations. So the deal is you take what you have right now and you go through and look at each one of your processes. And I'm quite sure a lot of you guys haven't even documented your processes yet. But if you haven't, now is the time to do so. It's very easy. Take out a piece of paper. You literally just write down from start to finish what you're doing for your day-to-day -to, -day to deliver your product and service or service, I should say, to your customers. And do it for each one on separate sheets of paper so you don't get it all clustered. And then from there, start looking at it. What are you doing over and over again? A lot of times when we're just doing things on the fly, there are certain processes that we're literally repeating. We're doing several times. And some of those times are unnecessary. And that's just one hidden cost. Another thing too is go through and do a sheet of all of the services that you're paying for right now. All of them in your business and your personal. And the reason why you want to do that is because I guarantee there's some hidden costs in there. I guarantee you're paying for a couple of services that you don't even use. You totally forgot about. They auto draft for like $9 a month. It doesn't hurt. You don't even miss it. You forgot. You signed up for that thing three years ago and you got the free trial and it just, it's just been rolling ever since. Start Tamira, looking at that. Hmm? Tamira, we yes. luckily, uh, I, I experienced this uh, a few weeks ago because we changed uh, our bank. Uh -huh. And with that, we also got, you know, new card, new everything. And, and so um, services that are on monthly or yearly reoccurring billing, you know, um, I would get emails, you know, like, oh, this wasn't built, this wasn't built, you know, because, you know, you have to go in and update your card. And right. oh my God, like mm -hmm. we, were, we were 
were subscribed to so many unnecessary stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doing and that was getting ready to be my next part. After you write down everything that is hitting on your cards, all those subscriptions, then tie it back to something that you're doing in your business. And from there, what are the, which of those things that you're doing in your business is actually meaningful? Which one of those things is helping you meet a business goal? There's probably some things in there that you're doing that you can't track back to a business goal. You don't even know why you're doing it. You're just doing it. It has, it really has no value. So now's the time to really sit down and take a look at what you have going on. What are your processes? What are you paying for? Are you using what you're paying for? How is it helping you in your business? Amazing. Yeah, very good, very solid advice. Um, and often we are so much on autopilot. And, you know, mm -hmm. those little things, $5, $10, yes. $20, like, yes, yeah, screw it. You know, like, sure, I'll try this. I'll sign up. And then, you know, um, it just stays there. And because there are so little numbers, but with time, they add up to so, so, so much. Yes, they do. Tamira, let, let, let's stop with the business topic. Tell us a little bit about Tamira. Get, get, let's get the audience to get to know Tamira the person. Well, Tamira the person is, oh man. <laughs> you know, I was oh not prepared God. for this question. <laughs> this is something I always ask all my guests uh, close to the end. And for most of them, this is the hardest question. And, That's because uh, no one to, ever asked you about you. <laughs> yeah, just to give you a quick tip, um, some people talk about their uh, pets or family or kids or their hobbies. Like, you know, it's just something little so that, you know, the audience can get to know, you know, the private side of you as well. You know, we connect so much better with people than with, you know, brands and businesses. That's true. That is so true. All right. Well, <clears throat> I know what to talk about. <laughs> All right, we ready? Yes. Okay. All right. So a bit about me. Uh, I love to teach. I really love to teach. I also love to learn. And when I'm on my downtime, I like to learn like little crafty things. Like right now I'm learning how to make lotion, lip gloss, <laughs> and things like that. I also like to play video games with my son. He has a couple of his favorites and he likes to try to teach me how to play them. I'm really no good at it, but it's great quality time for him. We have so much fun and I just enjoy it. I enjoy it. Another What's thing your I'm, favorite one? My favorite video game? Yeah. Right now it is uh, Roblox and I play it with my son and we have like a restaurant game that we play and it's my favorite thing to do. And okay. it's weird because he's like, well, mom, this is like work because you literally have to build up your restaurant, but it's so much fun. I mean, I get to use build furniture and <laughs> cook food <laughs> and it's totally different from what I do in my, my business life. And I think that's why I like it so much. But yeah, I play it with him. He has his restaurant. I have my restaurant and we kind of challenge each other to see who can make the most money. And it's just fun. It's great time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Tamira, mm -hmm. my last question before we mm -hmm. say goodbye. Mm -hmm. What's the last golden nugget of wisdom 
that you want to share with the audience before we say goodbye? The last golden nugget of wisdom I would share with you guys is get a mentor in the field that you are trying to go into, or should I say industry? Get a mentor. Get someone that has done it. Learn from that person. If the person you like doesn't want to mentor you, find someone else in the field that has done it and learn from that person. Also, be humble and be coachable. No one wants to teach somebody that is an egomaniac. You have to be humble. You have to be teachable. And just be a nice person. You know, in the climate that we have right now, just just be a nice person, guys. Just just be nice to everybody, especially people that can't do anything for you. Just be a good person. I love it. I absolutely love it. Do you see uh, these people hoarding right now? <laughs> it's terrible. The what? The people over here, they're hoarding. They're hoarding like hand sanitizer and toilet paper. It is horrible out here right now. And it's just showing me something that I did not know about people. Um, um, I don't know where I read or heard that a few, in, in the last few days, but um, in situations like this, um, we either see the best in people or we see the worst in people. Yes. And unfortunately, a lot of people, also a lot of so-called leaders who aren't doing any of the leading anyway, at least not right now, no. um, are showing us the worst of them, not the best of them. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I mean, I know that for the biggest majority of people listening to this and people I talk with, um, this is either the first time they are experiencing something of this magnitude mm -hmm. or they already forgot how it was back in 2008, 2009 and before with other stuff, or they didn't learn any lessons from the previous thing. So, you know, um, they're just ignorant. Um, but it's so hard to see positive right now while this thing is happening. It's, it's so hard to already see lessons, the positives. Um, I mean, I know for me, it took me years of practicing stuff like, you know, mindfulness, breathing exercises, emotional intelligence, um, the whole relationship with failure and, and so on. Um, many, many years of practicing that um, to be able to stay calm in, in these times, to be a bit more logical, look at facts and, and numbers, gather information from multiple resources. Um, thankfully, you know, I was blessed with life where I was traveling a lot. Uh, I've been on all continents in many different countries. Uh, and I was able to experience different cultures, different ways of doing things, living. Um, I'm blessed with speaking seven languages so I can get information from a lot of multiple sources right mm -hmm. now. Um, and yes, I know it's, it, it's, it's almost impossible or impossible for majority to see any good in this, any positives. 
you know, after a few years, when you look back, of course, it's always, you know, easy to find, oh, it was good for this, it was good for that, once you're already past the situation. Uh, but if anybody who's listening to this can, can you know, trust me in, in some way, uh, this is one of the best things that happened to us in a long time. Hmm. Um, and I'm, 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 I honestly, I hope that this will not go away very quickly because we as human beings, we have lessons to learn, you know? Um, and uh, usually we don't learn the lessons if the lessons go away too quickly. True. You know? I mean, if, if I look at my, my failure back in 2009, if I would be able to, you know, repay that money in, in a few months' time, I would for sure not learn the lessons that I've learned. It took me, what was it, seven, eight? So 2009, and then I had my exit in 2016. I got the money in 2017. So that's eight years. Eight mm -hmm. freaking years. And I still sometimes do certain, have to kick my ass, you know, and because, you know, I, I sometimes do something like the old Micha would do. So even after so many years, you know, at least, well, now I recognize that behavior very quickly. And then, you know, I, I add a reminder or two into my uh, reminders app that then keeps reminding me of certain things um, so that I can improve on that behavior. But even after so many years, even after such a hard lesson, I still sometimes, you know, navigate back to certain little things that old Miha would do that were not beneficial to me, to uh, my life and, and so on. But, you know, you go to them. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's hard times. It, it's crazy times. But um, yeah, it, it's, I believe that this is really a very good thing. I just hope that we can learn the lessons, that we can learn which people truly were leaders, which people really showed us the best that they have, you know, when we have the next elections or when we next choose somebody to uh, mentor us or to buy something from them or a company that, you know, we buy from. Um, I hope that we'll learn the lesson because we can do such an amazing shift in humanity if only we are ready to listen to what this thing is trying to tell us that is so true that is so true yeah a little bit of my monologue adding on top of um <laughs> on, on, on top of your last golden nugget of wisdom well tamira um thank you um i i, I really i appreciate you for uh, showing up for being my guest for sharing the knowledge the examples the experience the story um thank you uh, and i wish you all the best on your journey i wish you um, all the health for you your loved ones your son um throughout this uh challenging times and uh, yeah just all the best uh, on your journey and uh, i hope that you will be able to impact as many people uh, as possible because you have a great message you are teaching them the right thing um, so yeah thank you for being my guest take care thank you for having me